You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So today the uh, the madness sort of begins. I'm expecting at the very least a uh, increase in um, rumors, some some breaking news, at least in terms of people that are supposed to be getting signed with this team or this team has been reaching out to this team or, you know, that kind of stuff. We're also probably going to hear some deals that are tentatively in place. In other words, we're going to hear it's a done deal, but when you hear it's a done deal, we got to remember it's not a done deal. And that includes anything we've heard up to this point that, in, that that's uh, supposedly a done deal. Any free agent that's out there is still a free agent until Wednesday at uh, 4 Eastern, I believe it is. But um, as much as I like to try to mix things up, I, I just feel like this time of year is, well, I mean, we're going to have a lot of dead time to really dig into things at a crazy level. This time of year, there's just so much news, though. Uh, I'm just going to keep that, that train rolling, and I don't know that that spigot's really going to get turned off for quite a while, because, um, I mean, it just it's not going to stop until, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know how long it's going to be. It's going to be a very long time. But again, we're just going to run through some news and uh, see where it leads us, I guess. As always, if you have a minute, if you could leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher or anywhere else that you can find it, it would be very greatly appreciated. It's always nice to see that I I got a couple more. So we're getting there. Again, get it up to 80 on iTunes, and I'll stop begging for like a week. Stitcher, I don't know. I think I had one review and we're up to eight. So that's that's a really good... Percentage-wise, that's solid. Stitcher, I'm... uh, Apparently, I'm, things are things are well already. I guess if we can get to 10, that'd be cool. Nobody else seems interested in getting Stitcher reviews. Whatever. I want them. I'll take them all. I don't even care. Otherwise, if you'd like to call in with a question or with the, uh, the old complaint department or whatever. Grinds my gears, that's what it's called. Complaint department, same difference. 608-501-0718. That phone number again. 608-501-0718. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So bright and early this morning, I wake up to the news that Dante Fowler is off the list, which makes sense. Uh, teams are going to do everything they can frantically to re-sign their players. Fowler was definitely an option for the Packers, but um, 
you know, I mean, he he's still really young, which is kind of shocking because it feels like he's been around for a long time. But he he played with, in Jacksonville for about two and a half years and then got shipped over to the Rams. He could still turn that corner, so I don't really want to talk too much trash. Dante Fowler is D Ford. Dante Fowler is the guy that got drafted early in the first round. I mean, pick number three early, which is really scary because we're sitting at 12 talking about getting these guys that are going to be freaks. I mean, this is the Josh Allen of the draft, and um, dude has not been very good. Again, if you want to look at the numbers, he's had some production in terms of sacks. If you want to look at overall hurries, not quite as impressive. And I think there's probably something to that. I think there are some players, whether it's speed or whatever particular attribute they might have, more of their pressures convert to sacks than some players. In other words, in 2017, and again, these are PFF numbers, and I'm going to have to, one of these days, sit down with somebody from PFF and ask them why they have different numbers, because obviously they can count like everybody else. I, you know, again, maybe it's they don't count half sacks, I don't know. But for the average person getting 46 pressures, I'm guessing not many of them convert that into 11 sacks. I mean, that that's about a fourth. That's pretty solid. One quarter of the time you get to in and around the quarterback, you're going to bring him down. But uh, looking over the course of his three years, has not had super, super uh, a ton of production. 2018 was his best year, but I mean, just let's just look at the Rams season. I'm, I'm just going over this because Fowler's a big name. Fowler was a first-round draft pick. Fowler was number three overall. A lot of people that are big into the draft and are big Packers fans but aren't super paying attention to a lot of other teams aren't going to know a lot of this. They just hear Fowler. They know the guy was an early first-round pick, and they're like, dude, I want him so bad. This is how he ended the season with the Rams, the team that just re-signed him, and he started in week nine. Made it all the way to the Super Bowl. Average, average, terrible. Average, below average. Average, average, good. Below average, uh, very good, and below average. So one game was good. One game was very good. The rest was all either average, below average, or terrible. He was credited with four sacks in that span, six hits, and 20 hurries for a total of 30 pressures. So he, he's got a way to come. I don't know if he needs some help with a, with a coach to unleash his potential, because I remember watching him coming out of college and wanting the Packers to get Dante Fowler. And he, he is, man. He's, he's that 6'3", 255, you know, kind of lanky, speedy, around the edge kind of guy. It's like, man, he's going to be a, a dynamo. He's not. Same thing with D Ford. Oh, man, going to be a freak. And then he wasn't. So it's, it's guys like this that really make me nervous about the draft. Because when I see Brian Burns, I just think Dante Fowler, and I think D. Ford. I see a very good football player, but I, I just see flashbacks of other very good football players that just cannot hack it in the NFL to save their lives. And I know that maybe sounds harsh, but when you're a number three overall pick, and you just had the best season of your entire career, and you're the 81st best pass rusher in the NFL, that ain't good, man. And by the way, despite his lack of uh, production as a pass rusher, it only gets worse from there. He technically graded out as a good pass rusher, and he seems to have a little bit of ability in coverage. 157th ranked run defender. But wait, it gets worse. Out of uh, 177 that were graded, he graded 161st in tackling. Literally one of the worst tacklers in the NFL. So let's not get too upset about not getting Dante Fowler in free agency. If I haven't really mentioned his name as an option, that would be why. And again, part of the reason I'm nervous about D. Ford, this is D. Ford. The only difference is D. Ford had that one good year as a pass rusher. 
So on one hand, you could look at it and say, maybe Dante Fowler becomes D Ford and gets real good. On the other hand, you could say, maybe D Ford goes back to being Dante Fowler, and then it's really bad. Could go either way. I'm not going to pretend to know because I don't know. I'm just laying it out there for you. You get to be the GM in your own mind. I'm not going to try to tell you what to do. If you think Dante Fowler is going to turn that corner, then we missed out. We should have got him. Shucks. And really, I mean, if there's ever been a good opportunity to get a guy as as athletically, freakishly talented as Dante Fowler, and maybe we could even take that a step further and say, man, with Mike Smith, our outside linebacker coach, maybe he could do magic because he's a magical kind of guy, and we could have got bargain bin prices for this guy and then had one of the better pass rushers in the NFL. He could have he could have turned him into exactly what he turned D Ford into. I mean, it's the fantasy time of year. We can do whatever we want in our brains. For all I know, I'm getting drafted by the Packers in the in the upcoming draft. I don't know. You don't know my truth. But uh, if you are into that, it was just a one-year contract, so we'll see how it pans out. Unfortunately, the bad thing about one-year contracts, if he absolutely tears it up, which is entirely possible, he will be the next Ford, meaning, um, you know, he he's going to hit free agency and going to be a $20 million guy because he'll be 25 years old and a top pass rusher, and he was a number three overall guy, so all the the teams are looking at this going, I knew it, I knew he was going to be good, and they're all going to want him, and that's what's going to happen. Or he's going to be trash, and nobody's going to sign him, including the Packers, and uh, either way, we're just not ever going to have him, probably. Um, I I, I would love, I'm, I'm changing gears here, by the way, I would love for somebody to explain to me why I have to hear about Odell Beckham every second of every day. I told all of you back in early January, possibly even December, I don't know when it was, when these rumors first started that Odell Beckham was going to be shopped and traded, I looked at the contract and I said, this doesn't make any sense. Why would a team do this? It makes no financial sense to cut Odell Beckham. They just signed him. And similar to what they did with with Antonio Brown, see, I, I I can't stop now. Now that I know I say his name wrong, it has to be every show. But similar to that, his contract does not make any sense. The only reason they sh- they shipped him off is because he refused to play for the Steelers. Odell Beckham, it makes no sense. It's going to hurt their team real bad to get rid of Odell Beckham. And why do you want to get rid of Odell Beckham? You're about to get yourself a new quarterback very soon. If, if not this year, definitely next year. Odell Beckham is the exact kind of guy. And look what they're doing. They're building. Listen, what I've been saying, I've got my YouTube channel for, for the draft and all that stuff. You don't want to follow the path of the Jets and and uh, and the Bills and the and the Cardinals, where you get a quarterback first with nothing, and then slowly we'll we'll add a wide receiver here and this here. No, you're going to ruin these guys. What you do is you start building offensive linemen. You get yourself a running back. You get yourself some wide receivers. And I've said consistently, if there's any team that I want to send a top quarterback prospect, it's the Giants. And wouldn't you know it, they're actually trading. So, so last year they signed Hernandez. Last year I think they got Nate Solder. So they got the left side of the offensive line done. They just traded for one of the best guards in the NFL and put him at right guard. They've got one of the best wide receivers in Odell Beckham. They've got maybe the best running back in the NFL. All they need is a good quarterback to plop in the middle of that offense. And it is a dominant, horrifyingly scary offense. Similar to the, the exact same thing I told everybody about the Chicago Bears when everybody was laughing at him, and I said, I don't know, man. This could legitimately be one of the better defenses in the NFL. Guess what it was? I'm telling you, I'm just reading the tea leaves here. New York Giants with an actual good quarterback? This team is scary. 
And Odell Beckham is a major piece in that. And the fact that every day I have to just read this stuff about, oh, what's the latest on the Giants shop in Odell Beckham? And what have the Giants said consistently? Every single time they've been asked, we're not trading him. That's ridiculous. It doesn't make sense. We, d- we didn't sign him so that we could trade him. We're not trading him. We don't want to trade him. We're not going to get rid of him. Stop asking me if we're going to trade him. The only time I heard a rumor about somebody trying to get Odell Beckham was the Browns calling and saying, hey, we'll give you these players, these three players for Odell Beckham. And the rumor was the Giants literally laughed at them. And now, the, the latest breaking news. Guys, listen up. This is huge. ESPN's Jordan Renan reports the Giants are not going to put Odell Beckham on the trade market this offseason. What? Oh, that is just mind-blowing. This is earth-shattering. Except it's not news because he was never on the trade block. The Giants were never going to get rid of him. It never made sense. I don't know who started this nonsense rumor, but the guy has been comfortably in New York and the Giants have never once even considered trading Odell Beckham. And this whole thing is nonsense. People are just driving me nuts. Just making stuff up. Like, ooh, where might Odell Beckham go? (laughs) I don't know. Where's Aaron Rodgers going to go? Oh, nowhere? Okay. Doesn't mean we can't just make up rumors about it, I guess. Maybe I should start doing that. Maybe I'll get a job with ESPN. Burn. To me. (laughs) Um, As far as the Chiefs, just kind of moving on down the line... A lot of people are speculating that now that they got rid of Justin Houston, they're going to keep D Ford. I don't know that that's the case necessarily. I think he's still available. I don't know that, but I do know that they're switching to a 4-3 scheme, and, and some people don't seem to think that matters, and I don't really know why. A 3-4 outside linebacker and a 4-3 defensive end are very different pieces, and there are certain players that can manage it. And there are certain players that are miscast. It's possible D Ford can put in his hand in the dirt and be even better. I don't know. It's probably maybe even a little bit easier going the other way, going to a 4-3 defensive end, because you don't have to worry about dropping into coverage or any of that stuff. You just line up there and, um, you know, just kind of explode off the ball. The problem is you got to be a little bit better in run defense, which is why you usually need bigger guys, because you're a defensive end, right? You're like a, a thinner, smaller Mike Daniels, holding the edge. I don't know. B- bottom line is he may still be available, and one of the reasons that they might need to do that is they're talking about some major contracts going on over there. Again, I mentioned yesterday, Tyreek Hill is, is looking to get an extension. It's one of the things they're trying to get done, and it could be as high as $20 million. I don't know if it's going to get that high, but that's that's the number that I've heard that he could be valued around. Another guy they're talking about extending is, is defensive end Chris Jones. I've mentioned uh, previously, and by the way, when I say defensive end, I'm talking old school, back when they were 3-4, so defensive tackle guy. But he has been uh, one of the better defensive linemen in the uh, in the NFL, sort of under the radar, but really, really good. And um, I'm not entirely sure what he could command, but it would be a lot. And then beyond that, they're actually even talking about possibly Pat Mahomes, which makes sense. I mean, it doesn't make sense when you're talking about extending Tyreek Hill for $20 million in Chris Jones, but the earlier you can do this stuff, the better. Every year, the price for a guy like Pat Mahomes goes up. So you can say it's crazy to give Pat Mahomes right now a contract worth $35 million or whatever it's going to be. But if you wait until his free agent year, until until 2021 to try to get this contract worked out, like wait until the conclusion of the 2020 season, you're, you're paying him $40 million bucks. So go ahead and save yourself a little bit of money and do it now. Because there's very little doubt in anybody's mind that Pat Mahomes is your future. So again, I, I, I don't know. And it, it's tough to say because it still feels like the wrong decision. Because we're talking about a team that is right, you know, just wrapping on the door of the Super Bowl. You already got rid of Justin Houston. If you dump D Ford, 
what do you have on this team, really, defensively speaking? Because, I mean, you don't need to I, – I, I don't need to explain to Packer fans what happens when you have the best offense in the NFL and literally nothing on defense. Nobody listening to this needs to understand what that looks like. And it's, it's possible – I mean, they could still win the division. They can still get into the playoffs, putting up 35, 40 points a game. But everybody has to know they're not going to win a Super Bowl. That's just that's that's how that works. That's why I would like the Packers to follow a little bit of a different trajectory. I'd like them to be a little bit more like the Bears. In that, if we really get a dominant defense, the only the, the problem with dominant defenses is you struggle on offense. And the reason that teams with really good defenses struggle on offense is because they usually don't have a very good quarterback. Anytime you have a dominant defense and a good quarterback like the Seattle Seahawks, you're talking about a dominant team. Not present-day Seahawks. I'm talking about back when they were, you know, a dominant team. But anyways, getting back to the Chiefs, if you look at their team on defense, Houston, Jones, and Ford are the three guys that are any good on this team. I mean, they've got a couple other defensive linemen that are decent, a couple cornerbacks that are serviceable. But those are your three elite prospects. Houston's gone. Jones is going to get extended. Kind of depends what's going to happen with Ford here. But I don't know. It, 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 it's, it's kind of a tough call. It doesn't seem that tough like you're supposed to keep them, but I think the Chiefs are going to do the smart thing. See, things like teams like the Patriots and the Packers and apparently the Chiefs who are intelligent do this kind of stuff. Because the alternative would be you get all excited about the Super Bowl. You say, we're not getting rid of Houston or Ford. We're not changing anything, which I don't know why they're changing their defensive scheme. That doesn't make any sense. I'll, I'll, I'll get back into that in a minute. Because I know why, but I don't know why. But the teams that aren't very smart, what they're going to say is we're not getting rid of our best players. We're going to play with them. But in order to have enough money, well, we can't extend Tyreek Hill right now. Or maybe we'll do Hill, but we can't do Jones, and we can't do the quarterback. So they, they just try to keep everybody all the time. And then you get to a point where it's like, well, we don't have any money to resign anybody. So they're, they're looking to the future, and they recognize that Tyreek Hill and, and, and uh, Jones and Emma Holmes, these, these guys are the future. So we're going to lock up the future now, and uh, Houston obviously is the past. As much as he's still got some in the tank, we can't afford all of these pieces. So it'll be interesting to see what they do, decide to do with D Ford. Uh, the amount of cap that they're going to be spending on other players, in addition to the change in scheme, makes you wonder if they are still interested in trading D Ford. Um, but again, if if they don't, then they just they don't have anybody. Um, the, it is somewhat interesting to note, and I don't want to sit here and talk about the Chiefs all day. But again, this this is relevant to the Packers because the question is: Is Ford still available? I believe he is. I have not heard any word that he's off, and and this would be the reason why. But it, it, I, I definitely understand the general conception that he's, he's not available anymore. Something else to note, though, in 2017, in the second round, they, uh, they drafted um, Tano Passigno. And then last year in, in the draft, in the second round, so two second round picks, they drafted Breland Speaks. Now, I can't speak on Speaks all that much, but I can tell you right now, Tano Passigno makes no sense in the second round. I, I thought he was going to be like a fifth round guy. I mean, you, you want to see the epitome of a guy that's really tall and can't bend because he's tall. Uh, six foot seven, 289 pounds. But the reason I bring this up, if you look at defensive ends, this guy's a defensive end. I, I can't assume that they knew they were switching schemes because that would be hard to imagine. But six foot seven, 290 pounds, this dude can play defensive end. Then you look at Breland Speaks, second round last year, six foot three, 283 pounds. These are big boys. So if you're looking to run a defensive end type scheme, I mean, the guy was drafted as a defensive tackle. His comp was Ricky Jean Francois. And yes, I know I say his name wrong too. I don't care. I'm not saying Ricky Jean Francois or Francois or whatever. 
I know how to say it. I refuse, all right? Same with Antonio. I'm not calling him Antonio. It's funny because on one hand, I don't want to say Antonio because it sounds too American, but then Ricky Jean Francois, I don't want to say it because it sounds so French. <laughs> I can't pick a lane, man. Just leave me alone. How much of my truth do you know again? Oh, that's right. None of it. But either way, they, they regardless of what you think about these guys, for the last two years in a row, they drafted four three defensive ends in the second round. So the idea that they cannot move forward without D Ford isn't correct. Even if we assume D Ford is the man in a 4-3 scheme, I don't know that he doesn't play linebacker. Again, as good of a pass rusher as he was, he's not good against the run. You make him a 4-3 defensive end at 243 pounds. The guy D Ford is 6'2, 243. I'm just saying, again. Everybody went, oh, it's overblown, whatever. You're playing in your nickel formation a lot. Of, fine. But he's, <laughs> it's still a lot to ask when, when you're asking him to never stand up and to strictly be a down defensive end. I mean, granted, he's just going to sit over on the, the opposite side as, as, you know, on the blind side going after the passer. I get that. But if I'm going up against the Chiefs, I'm, I'm super excited to just run his way every day. And maybe you put Chris Jones on that side to add a little extra beef. But um, I'm, I'm just saying, the switch severely hurts D. Ford's value to the Chiefs. And when we're talking about value, the question is, who values him more? I'd be willing to bet the Green Bay Packers are going to value D. Ford more than the Chiefs at this particular point in time value D. Ford. So if the Packers offer the Chiefs what he's worth as a 3-4 outside linebacker, if they, if they believe that he is going to continue to be the best pass rusher in the NFL, the Packers are going to offer more value to the Chiefs than D. Ford can offer the Chiefs. Does that make sense? So based strictly on value, the Packers are offering more. Doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to look at it as a straight value thing. They might say, we just have to keep him. We can't get rid of him. I don't know. I also would be very comfortable in saying the Packers probably aren't going to offer fully what he's worth because it's just the Packers and they're very frugal. And I appreciate that to some degree, especially when there's a lot of risk involved. But I'm just saying there's a good opportunity or a good possibility that one of the other teams in the NFL is going to offer the Chiefs more than the Chiefs value D4 now that they're switching to a 4 3 team. So all that to say, he might still be available. All right, let's just let's let's get to the point here. Let's get to the meat. Need some meat. I need to get this rabbit out of the basement because wow, dude stinks. I mean, I, I I love hanging out with this rabbit, but today I don't so much. But that leads me to another question, and I know there's a lot of news to get to, but whatever, I do what I want because I was under the impression, and this is what I believe most coaches will tell you. Turns out. It's a load of horse dung. The thing that makes sense for every coach in the NFL to do, and the thing that coaches will lie to us and tell them, tell us that they do, is, is if you get a defensive coordinator and ask them about their scheme, what, what they'll say is, we build around the players we have. That's not true. You have a scheme, you have a way of playing, and you try to force your players into that way of playing. That's just a fact. The Kansas City Chiefs are built as a 3-4 team. They had the the best pass rushing duo in the NFL, both of whom are 3-4 outside linebackers. Same thing if you look at the Miami Dolphins. Cameron Wake is still a good pass rusher. They had a pretty good duo of 4-3 defensive end pass rushers. Well, the Patriots guy goes over there. He says, we're going to run a 3-4, and Cameron Wake is out on the street. Why? Because they're not willing to run a 4-3 system. Bob Sutton was the defensive coordinator for the Chiefs. He ran a 3-4 system. 
the Chiefs hired Steve Spagnolo, and he comes in and says, well, we're doing 4-3 now, and they just start purging guys. Like, well, he doesn't fit, and this doesn't fit, and, and who fits? Dude, why are you doing that? Because it's a, it's a, it's a load of garbage. And it, it's really upsetting because you would think defensive coordinators know how to run multiple schemes. And the fact that you hire a new defensive coordinator and they're going to come in and, and just completely destroy everything that's going on. I mean, it was the same with Dom Capers. He didn't come in and say, ooh, this team is built more like a 3-4 uh, team than a 4-3 team. Let me just tweak this real quick. No, it's not. It was a 4-3 team. He blew it up. Our best pass rusher suddenly became useless. So we shipped him off, and then in the draft we had to prioritize. We need to get a 3-4 outside linebacker. We just have to because we don't have one. That's the cornerstone of my defense. Go get me one. Oh, okay. Well, we had pass rushers, but then you messed everything up. But sure, let me go get you one real quick. So that whole thing just kind of annoys me. And, and it's, it's important to think about that, too, because you start l- listening on the offensive side to guys like LaFleur, and what does LaFleur say? Well, you know, this is what I did with the Titans and everything, but really what I'm going to do is analyze the players we have and fit an offense to them. There's, there's probably some truth to that, and there's tweaking within his scheme and understanding of how to run an offense, but his understanding of how to run an offense is his understanding of running an offense, and he's not going to switch that up. Right, These things will slowly evolve. He'll add a little bit here, detract a little bit here, tweak this over here. But it's all going to be within his understanding and wheelhouse. Right, He's, he's got several different ways to use a wide receiver. He's going to pick one of those ways and apply it to each of his wide receivers, but it's all going to be based on his scheme. He's not going to be running something wildly divergent than he did with the Titans or than he saw with, with the Falcons or the Rams or anybody else. Lafleur's scheme is Lafleur's scheme. And if it works, it's going to work. If it doesn't, we're kind of out of luck because he's not going to switch that up. He can tweak it, and he will tweak it, and he'll continue tweaking it until he gets fired. But I I just, that's sort of an important thing to keep in mind, the idea that these are just general geniuses who have all information in their mind, and they're going to sit down and analyze it and, and tailor an offense or a defense to the players is just a fabricated lie. Nobody does that. And it's very upsetting when I look at, like, the Chiefs, for example. Not like I care about the Chiefs. I would love for them to start failing. That'd be great. And purging their best pass rushers is just, that's a glorious thing. But it just, why are you just blowing this up? I mean, okay, Bob Sutton was trash. Fine, go get a 3-4 guy. I mean, I, for crying out loud, get Dom Capers. I don't care. Just don't do this. (laughs) Everybody just tuned me out when I said Dom Capers. All right, fine, not Dom. You get what I'm saying, though, right? So just keep that in the back of your mind. Number one, D. Ford might still be available. Number two, coaches are going to do whatever they want. They don't care what players they have. And that's the other problem. Just, all right, here we go. Then you take that problem and marry it to the problem that GMs do what they want. Right? You, you, they all say it, including our GM, because the question is always asked, and I'm appreciative because I, I want it asked every day because I want to hear him say it every day because I don't understand it. When you draft, do you take into account LaFleur's scheme? Do you take into account Mike Pettin's scheme? Do you listen to their feedback about the players they need to complete their scheme? And the, the answer to the question essentially is no. I mean, they, they, they say yes to a very small degree, and, and basically it'll be more or less, we might take certain things into advisement and maybe shift certain things a little bit, but basically we build a board based on talent and we draft based on that board. Now, they, they clearly draft based on need to some degree, 
And again, a lot of that probably has to do with the tier system. In other words, they're not going to reach way too far back just because, well, we need a tight end even though one isn't available. They're, they're going to pick within a certain value range, but they're going to pick based on need. But the problem is the need is assessed by the GM because technically that is his job. But I don't know how you do that job without understanding the scheme and talking with the coaches directly. Do we need a running back or do we need a certain kind of running back? That's going to be the head coach to tell you, especially a guy who's never been here before. I need to know what you need to run this offense because you're the one that's going to make this machine go. And if you got the wrong parts, we're trying to put Toyota parts into a Honda. I don't know. It might run. Probably not most efficiently, though. So we've got a coach coming in who's not going to really tailor the offense to the players. He will a little bit, but it's mostly going to be the coach saying, this is my scheme, you all have to fit into it. And then you have a GM who goes out and gets players that don't necessarily fit into this scheme. That the coach, So the coach isn't going to bend to the GM. The GM isn't going to bend to the coach. And you got a bunch of players on the field that don't really belong on the field, but they're trying to twist and contort them into this offense. Oh! It would be so simple. I don't know if it's an ego thing or just like, the, you know, one of those old school, this is the way it's done kind of things or what. I don't know what it is, but you got to quit it, man. I'm not having a single meeting about this draft that doesn't include Mike Pettin and LaFleur. So I want the head coach, the offensive coordinator, and the defensive coordinator. I need to know everything there is to know about our offense and about our defense. When I assess the team, I'm assessing it with the understanding of what our scheme is, what our what our offense is. I don't want to just know, well, our wide receivers aren't good enough. Why? Is it a talent issue, or did I just try to get you a round peg and put it in the square hole? Maybe we have great wide receivers. The problem is they just don't do what I need them to do. I ask them to do a lot of these kinds of things, and they're over there doing those kinds of things. In other words, you could take these players and put them on a different team, and they're great. Because if you ask them, again, a simple example, outside linebacker compared to defensive end, it would be like if you went out and got a bunch of, you know, six foot five, 285 pound guys and said, okay, go be outside linebackers. It's like, dude, I can't do that. I'm a defensive end. I, I put me on the end, put my hand in the dirt and I can make it go. Now they do that. He's going to get us three, four outside linebackers, but we need more of that. And maybe they do. And he just doesn't say that he does. I don't, I hope he does. I'm hoping that the way he drafts is reflective of, and, and it's, it's going to be a real big thing to pay attention to, because we know how the Packers draft. Were they drafting Mike McCarthy guys, or were they drafting Ted Thompson and, you know, because again, the, the Packers GMs follow a certain tree, a certain way of thinking, and it's just kind of continued down the line. Are we going to continue to do that, or are we going to change? And I really hope we change, because drafting good or not good, it, it's just, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I want things to change. One of the things I would love to change is please stop drafting based on a team's spark score, a player's spark score. And I'm not saying that's what they're doing. They're sitting down and looking. I'm, just, I'm saying there's probably similarities between what the Packers look for and what is reflective highly in the spark score. And that, that's essentially athleticism. And this whole thing started back in the, you know, Kaepernick did this. He's the one that caused this disorder in Green Bay. He absolutely lit us up with his athleticism, and we had a bunch of old-school, you know, kind of A.J. Hawk types. They can't run and chase him all day, and that's why he tore us up. Ever since then, it's been athletes, 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 and now it's bleeding into the offense. They've got to be 6'5 and run a 4-3-2. At some point, we got to get good football players, man. I mean, we're turning into the Raiders. It's, it's, it didn't work for them. It's not going to work for us. I don't care how fast they are. I want them to be good football players. 
So I don't know. We'll see if it's if it's the same old thing. If we're just getting athletes and athletes and athletes and athletes, then it's it's obviously just this is what the GM wants to do, and it's regardless of what Lafleur wants. If if I mean we we've seen the tendencies, so it'll be interesting to see if that changes at all. And if it does, then it's probably because we have a new head coach, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, and the things that we're looking for in these players changes. So, anyways, I'll be keeping an eye on that. And again, if if, if things do change, then it's reflective that. The GM is drafting based on the coach that we have, which is a good thing. If he's not doing that, then it's it's just it's a bad situation, and I'll never understand why anyone would think that that's a good way to run a team. The, the coach is the one that calls the plays. The coach is the one that draws up how the offense works. So he would know best which players would fit on his team. He knows it better than the GM. I get that you need to have a separate guy, but I feel like you know, again, as much as there's an ego thing and the GM feels like this is my job and my thing and all that stuff, I almost feel like the GM should just be listening to what the coach needs and your job is to just go fetch. I know that's, you, you shouldn't talk because, you know, on the hierarchy thing, the GM is up here and the coach is down here. Forget all that. I, I don't care. If I had a team, I'd restructure it differently. You just have separate jobs. Your job is to help make this team go and the coach is going to tell you what he needs to make it go and you're just going to go do it and I don't want to hear any complaining. You still get to pull the trigger. If he says, I really need a running back, and you're like, well, there's no running back, sorry, then yeah, just get best player. I don't care. That's fine. That's up to you. You want to draft best player available. You want to draft. You're the GM. You do what you want. But the kind of people we're targeting is up to the head coach to decide, and you will listen. Anyways, I don't know. I just, I don't understand inefficient nonsense, and that's what it feels like the NFL is largely. And you know what? This is why I think the Patriots win all the time, because again, The NFL, we assume, is filled with geniuses, and I feel like it's filled with a bunch of dummies. And the Patriots, who are basically run by one guy, so obviously the benefit of that is he knows the players he needs, and then he goes out and gets them because he's the same guy. He doesn't say, oh boy, it'd be great if we had this kind of guy. And then he goes and talks to the GM, and the GM shrugs him off, and he's like, I'm the guy that pulls the trigger. And then he goes out and gets some random guy that doesn't fit. No. Bill Belichick just does things correctly. And then they win a lot of games. While everyone else is just sticking to tradition and... I don't know. I'm done. I promise I'm done now. Um, a little bit of division rival news here. The Lions have been doing quite a bit of stuff. There, there's a lot of talk about them adding some talent. As of right now, though, all they're doing is purging. So we'll, we'll see at the conclusion of this. Their team might be getting quite a bit better. But at this particular point in time, they're just getting a lot worse. So I mentioned they got rid of TJ Lang. That hurts. Um, it makes sense. You got to do these things. This is one of the necessary parts of the NFL. You got to purge people. You don't want to wait too long. If it's time to let go, it's time to let go. So the Lions, who are already in pretty good cap space, uh, with about the same amount as the Packers, they just saved an additional 8.8 million dollars by getting rid of T.J. Lang. So this is going to set them up to be able to sign a guy like Trey Flowers to massive money. Which, by the way, as I've mentioned, everybody's saying, "Oh, all Trey Flowers is going to Miami." Let's all hope he goes to Miami. I don't want him in Detroit, but uh, they let him walk. They also cut Nevin Lawson. Um, Nevin Lawson isn't a great cornerback, but for a team that's really struggling at corner, again, I understand they have Darius Slay, but they don't have anybody else. And Nevin Lawson, if they had any other cornerback that was serviceable, Nevin Lawson in the slot was probably that guy. Getting rid of him, it's just, it's kind of ugly. So my assumption is Mr. Tease Tabor, my biggest draft miss of all time, is probably going to be taking over the slot. For the sake of my ego, I hope he does well. For the sake of him being a lion, I'm very glad that he's been terrible. But he's a young guy coming into his third year. Uh, they've also been playing him out of position, I'll say, just for the record. 
but uh, we'll see. Makes me happy, warms my heart to see these guys going bye-bye. Again, even being not great, what would be a comp? I guess sort of like us getting rid of Kyler Fackrell? Maybe that's a bad way to put it. What else could I say? I don't know. I'll leave it at that. Nobody's going to call the guy elite, but it's kind of like, well, now what do we do? Um, On the signing news, apparently somebody else that they're fighting for is Anthony Barr. Uh, He's also rumored to be going to the Jets. No word on the Packers. Again, I just, I don't get that. I mean, I get it. Because if you can pay him linebacker money to be a pass rusher, that's great. I just I don't think that's going to happen. But I would assume these are two very different strategies here. As the Lions, if they pick him up, they're going to pay him as a linebacker and they're going to play him as a linebacker. And they do need a lot of linebacker help. So as much as I've been stressing the fact that Anthony Barr is not that good and as much as everyone talks about you know, the, the Vikings linebackers being dominant, Barr has just been kind of eh. So... I'd like it if he left the Vikings and didn't go to the Lions just because he would be an upgrade for the Lions, but um, I suppose I'd rather him leave the Vikings and go to the Lions than stay with the Vikings because the Vikings have a good defense, and by him staying, it makes them still as good. If he leaves, they're not as good, and that's great. So here's hoping Trey Flowers goes to Miami and Anthony Barr goes to the Jets. Um, Something we can almost be entirely certain of, the the Lions, I don't know if I mentioned it, but they're 100% in on getting a tight end in free agency. I'm willing to bet they're also going to be getting a pass rusher. Uh, they're going to go in real hard, real heavy at this stuff. But um, almost for they've they've had a couple meetings, Dwayne Allen and and a few others. But I would fully expect the Lions by the end of free agency will have a tight end. There's a lot of tight ends available. How good they're going to be, I don't really know. They might just get somebody that doesn't matter, or they could actually get a, a legitimate stud. We'll see. But they're looking real hard, so they're probably going to be getting an upgrade at tight end, and, and more than likely they're going to be getting an upgrade at pass rusher. And um, th- the biggest problem is they also have a high pick. So if they get Trey Flowers and they get Barr, and let's say they get a, a mediocre tight end, their options at, at in the draft are very wide open. If they get a pass rusher, they're getting another pass rusher, and then they have one of the best defensive lines and a very good pass rush duo. If they get a guy like Cleveland Furl, as a 4-3 defensive end, and again, I don't know how good that guy is, but you pair him with Trey Flowers, that's not bad. They could get Devin White and pair him with Anthony Barr. Ugh. As a Packer fan, ugh. Or, if they just satisfy, if they, if they take care of their linebackers at least a little bit, and they get a pass rusher, they're in line to get a top corner, so now all of a sudden they go from just having uh, uh, Darius Slay to now they've got a duo. That's not great. Or they can get a Hawkinson, which, you know, it does seem a little bit early, but, I mean, they could even trade back and get a Hawkinson or a Fant. It's just, it's not a good situation for the Packers. And then picking again high in the second round, you know, I mean, again, as of right now, the team is just getting worse. They have a really good opportunity to make this team a lot better. And I'm not quite nervous yet, but depending on who they end up getting, if they get a good pass rusher and they get a linebacker before the draft even starts, they've already got two wide receivers, they got a quarterback, they've got a running back, they could get a, a second safety. They can get Greedy Williams at eight and then get, I'm sorry, a second corner and then get a, a safety in the second round. Suddenly they got two good corners. They've got a good safety. They've got one of the better pass rushers in the NFL. They've got Anthony Barr at linebacker and they've got their whole offense, which is pretty not bad. Add in a guard in the third or fourth round. I'm just saying, I'm, I, I can see a path. Things have to fall just so, but I can see a path for the Lions to actually be somewhat of a scary force here. And again, let's not forget, Trey Flowers was with the Patriots. They have the former Patriots defensive coordinator as their head coach. 
This dude can run a defense if he can get the pieces quite right. If he, if he gets a Greedy Williams and he gets a Trey Flowers and he gets an Anthony Barr, there's not a huge amount of doubt in my mind that this defense could look significantly different. And that's always been the problem with the Lions. Well, that and the offense not quite having what they need to get over the hump. But you add in a solid defense. I mean, we saw the Bears do it. We saw the Vikings do it. I don't know. Again, we'll follow up on it. But with the amount of cap space they now have and with the early round picks, and, and they have a lot of picks. They've got nine. Most of them are later round. They've got a first, second, third, fourth, fifth, and then two sixths and two sevenths. So be that what it may be, they're also picking early again. They got the number eight pick, the number 43 pick, which how fantastic is it they pick one pick before us? You just know they're going to steal somebody. And I'm just going to, I don't know, punch a lion in the back of the head. It'll be a baby one. I'm not dumb. In other news, looking at the Minnesota Vikings, uh, as you've probably heard by now, and as I've been saying for some time, and a lot of people have been saying for some time, the Vikings are headed toward a bit of a cap issue. They're trying to manage this as best they can. Uh, rumor is they're trying to ask Kyle Rudolph to take a pay cut. Um, the reason that's significant, for one, they can't pay the man, so they're trying to find cap space somewhere. It's also significant because there's a good chance if he refuses to take the pay cut, they're going to cut him. Now, that rumor was disputed by Kyle Rudolph's agent. And, and to be honest, I don't care. Because if they're asking him to pay, take a pay cut, that makes me smile. If there's a chance he's going to get cut, that makes me smile. But if he stays on the team, that's, that's fine with me. Kyle Rudolph has been propped up as one of the better tight ends in the NFL since forever. And the guy's never really been all that great. He's certainly not that good anymore. I'm not scared of Kyle Rudolph. And if he, all he's going to be is a drain on their cap, please stay fact of the matter is that they're paying him 7.6 million dollars if they cut him they recoup all of that money they owe him nothing the the better news is if they do cut him then they don't have him (laughs) so as much as he's not elite the team is way better off with him than without him so just to give an overview of kyle rudolph his best year ever was his rookie year his second best year ever was his sophomore year again remembering the whole 60 being baseline, 70 being good. Here's his grades since 2013, which is his third year. Again, first two years were his best two years. In 2013, starting in his third year, 70, 63, 71, 73, 68, 64. So he's only been good three years, according to their standard. And it was barely good. Not We're not talking 75, 78, 79. We're talking 70.3, 71.2, 73.2. That's three out of six years. The other three, 63.2, 68.2, 64.2. The other thing to note, if you look at from 2016, 2017, 2018, how has his trajectory been the last couple years? 73, 68, 64. He's getting worse. Now, maybe he has a bit of a bounce back. He had a new quarterback. Who knows? Maybe he'll have his best year ever this year. Could happen. Anything can happen. But if I'm the Vikings, I'm watching a a tight end that's never really been all that great who's now costing us seven and a half-ish million dollars, I'm just not super happy about that. So again, they have my blessing on whatever decision they want. If they want to keep him and take that cap hit, please do. That makes me super happy. If you want to cut him, then ha-ha, you don't have him anymore. And uh, again, I'm pretty happy about that situation. The one middle ground that could potentially happen that wouldn't be super great but kind of still okay would be an extension. Now, an extension means Kyle Rudolph stays on the team and counts against their cap beyond this year, which I would assume may be the better option if it's me. Again, smart team type stuff is to get rid of him. An extension would mean he costs less and we get to keep him. 
But again, he's getting worse, and you want to. Ex- he's 30 years old right now. You want to extend him till he's what 32? The, in in the midst of a decline, in a the third year of a three year decline, you want to extend him? I don't think that's a good option either. I think the best option for the Vikings is to get rid of him. There's a lot of tight ends, man. You could probably get a guy in the fourth round that's a mediocre tight end who comes in and isn't very good, but is mediocre, which, by the way, is exactly what Kyle Rudolph was last year, mediocre. 35th best tight end. There's 32 teams in the NFL. He was the 35th best, meaning some teams had more than one tight end on their team that was better than Kyle Rudolph. Mathematically, that kind of has to be the point. I don't want to stop talking about it because it makes me so happy, but let's continue. Obviously, they're losing Anthony Barr. Uh, To make things even better, they're continually, I don't know if it's going to happen. I mentioned this last time I covered the Vikings and we talked about that. They're still trying to give Adam Thielen more money, which is is great. And I'm sure his agent is doing a really, and and who knows? I mean, we've kind of seen situations where players feel like they're being underpaid. They're going to do certain things. So, I mean, we've seen the Packers do this. We've seen a lot of teams do this, but it's just really poor timing for the Vikings. He, he, He has... In terms of his base salary, $5.8 million and $5.3 million. Um, he has a $100,000 per game roster bonus that he can get in those two years and a $50,000 workout bonus. Other bonuses, $1.1 million. So I don't know the exact cash. He counts $8.1 million against the cap this year, six point five. but a million each year is prorated bonus, meaning it's already money in his pocket. It's counting against the cap, but he's not getting paid that. So the bottom line is they want to pay him what he's worth. Well, what is he worth right now? He's one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. Are they seriously considering giving him like a $15, $16 million contract? Do you know how much that would completely ruin this team's cap? And it, we could talk about backloading it all you want. If you want to backload it, please do. Because your cap is, is messed up now. This is the point in the year where you should be fixing it. If you want to take money and just push it off, you want to add more money and put it on next year and the year after, please do. I would love for this cap to be a mess for the next five years. That'd be great. So I don't know how they're going to work this out, but it seems like it's something they have to do. There's no question you have to keep Adam Thielen. There's no question you should probably try to keep him happy. And and if this wasn't such a bad salary cap situation, it makes a lot of sense. Again, pay him now because the money's just going to... Here's, here's what I... You want to know what I want? Don't pay him. Wait until Julio Jones gets his extension. Wait until Tyreek Hill sets the market at $20 million. Wait until Michael Thomas with the Saints get his massive contract. Wait until we start seeing 17, 18, 19, 20 million dollar contracts and then reassess what Adam Thielen is worth. Yes, please. And you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if. <laughs> oh, you can tell I'm not a good person because it makes me giddy thinking about how terrible this is for the Vikings. <laughs> I would be willing to bet Adam Thielen's agent is dragging his feet because if he's not, he should be fired. And if I'm Adam Thielen, I'm telling him. Do not, I mean, keep keep them in talks, but we're not going to sign anything until we start to see some other contracts. Antonio Brown, okay, sixteen and a half. That's not that much, anyways. Eighteen million, I think, is already the the where we're we're set at. I think that's the top eighteen million a year. I don't know if that's Odell or who it is. Wait until somebody cracks that. Wait until we reset the market. Wait until we hit twenty, twenty and a half, whatever it ends up being. Then we'll renegotiate because if you want to pay me as the top, you know, let's say the fifth best now, you're going to pay me 15, 16 million. But if the if the market is set at 20, what am I worth now? What, 17? I listen, 
Adam Thielen's a good wide receiver. It makes me upset that he's on the Vikings, but it, at least he could do us a favor and destroy their team by taking $17 million. They were, they were pretty smart in getting out in front of Stephon Diggs, so they're probably trying to do that with Adam Thielen as well, get out in front of it so that by the time we get later down the road, it doesn't seem like much. But still, if, if let's just say it's the same amount as, as Stephon Diggs. You've still got two $15 million guys. That's a lot of money. On top of what you're paying this quarterback, that's a lot of money. So the, the best news in all of Vikingdom right now is this Adam Thielen extension, and I really hope he sticks the screws to him. Because if he ends up signing like a $12 million contract to be somewhat team-friendly, dude, you, you're never going to be as good as you were last year. That's never going to happen again. Capitalize on it. Demand more money. I'm only giving you this advice because you're a Viking, but seriously, <laughs> you need to put your foot down and try to get at least $15 million. And he's 28, man. Let, let this be your last one. Get an extension done. It'll help the Vikings spread the money out a little bit. $17 million. I'm stuck on that number, but that would be nice. Again, if he waits until these guys get their money, if they're even going to get paid, it doesn't have to happen. But again, if, if Julio and Thomas and Tariq and these guys get paid, $17 million isn't even that much anymore. I don't know. I'm going to stop pretending to be his agent, but please just keep an eye on that because that could be fantastic news for the Packers, not just now, but for the foreseeable future. Um, some additional news, uh, the Vikings are apparently shopping Trey Wayne. So again, just keeps getting worse for the Vikings. Now, I, I've been pretty consistent in saying that Trey Waynes is a bit overrated. Vikings fans think he's way better than he is. And it kind of makes sense because you got Mike Hughes coming up, so we'll see what happens. But a, again, I don't hate the idea of losing these guys. He is a starting cornerback. He played more snaps than almost anybody else with the exception of Xavier Rhodes. So him going bye-bye isn't going to hurt my feelings even a little bit. Now, it's kind of tiresome that everybody that leaves the Vikings, the first thing that comes to mind is, ooh, the Lions would be a good landing spot. They want Anthony Barr. If they if they got rid of Rudolph, the first team that would call him is the Lions. And who needs cornerbacks? Oh, yeah, the, the Lions need cornerbacks. But whatever. We'll see what happens. They're, they're supposedly going to be releasing. They're going to need to release some people at some point. Uh, Everson Griffin, whoever it ends up being. Uh, I just, I, 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 I have a feeling as much as I'm maybe a little pessimistic about the Lions, because the Lions, similar to the Packers, have a good opportunity to get their team better. The Vikings are the exact opposite. So in terms of teams with the most potential as it stands right now, the Lions probably have the most potential to turn this thing around. Then it's the Packers. Then quite a ways down is the Bears because they don't have any draft picks and they don't have any money. And then basically on that same level or close to is the Vikings. Because at least the Vikings have some, some draft picks that they can try to do some stuff, but their, their cap is just a mess. So, anyways, we'll be keeping an eye on that. Not a whole lot of Bears news going on right now. Sounds like they want to be aggressive in free agency. It, it, it blows my mind how many teams that don't have any money are talking about being aggressive. The Bears are wanting to be aggressive. The Vikings are talking about maybe targeting some offensive linemen. It's like, what are you guys doing? I mean, it gives me hope as a Packer fan. Like, well, if they can do it, obviously we can do some stuff, right? I'm looking at $35 million like we got nothing. But I don't know. I gotta go. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Monday. Let the craziness begin. We'll be back tomorrow, hopefully, with a lot more to talk about. Have a good one. Bye-bye.